Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. The room couldn't hold it. First, somebody told it, and then the room couldn't hold it. So the busy tongues rolled it till it got outside. Then the crowd came across it and never once lost it, but tossed it and tossed it till it grew long and wide. Well, this lie brought forth others, dark sisters and brothers and fathers and mothers, a a terrible crew. And while headlong they hurried, the people they flurried and troubled and worried as lies always do. And so evil-bodied this monster lay goaded till at last it exploded in smoke and in shame. Then from the mud and from mire the pieces flew higher and hit the sad victim and killed a good name. If you've been keeping score, then you might be feeling pretty good about the Ten Commandments, at least in their original form. You've been good to your parents, mostly. You've managed to get through your life without ever really killing somebody. And except for the occasional lingering look, you've never acted on the sin of adultery. And, and after that time you got caught shoplifting as a child and your mom made you return those stolen goods to the store manager, you've not considered stealing anything ever since. Note I said in their original form. Over the past few weeks, we've looked beyond the commandments and, and found that there's a lot more that lies behind the simple prohibitions contained in Exodus chapter 20. So if you've been doing okay thus far, then pay attention, because I'm fairly confident the ninth commandment hits each and every single one of us right between the eyes and hopefully finds its way into our hearts as well. The ninth commandment found in Exodus chapter 20 verse 16 simply says this, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. If you recall, the the Ten Commandments are are broken into two kinds of categories. Commandments 1 through 4, they're they're concerned with our relationship with God. We call that our vertical relationship. Commandments 5 through 10, however, are concerned with our relationships with the rest of the created order. Our our horizontal relationships, our relationships within our family and our our friends and our co-workers and, and even people that we don't know. When we look at this second set of commandments, we recognize that each commandment is is really concerned itself with a particular category of sins. Honoring our parents deals with our relationship to authority. Not murdering is concerned with our respect of the sanctity of human life. Adultery speaks to the much broader category of sexual sins. The prohibition against stealing addresses sins surrounding work ethic and our respect of other people. But then the ninth commandment, it calls us to reflect on the sins of the tongue. You know, the Bible has a lot more to say 
about the sins of the tongue than just a simple prohibition against lying in the Ten Commandments. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Consider that. Death and life are contained within the power of, of the tongue. Every single one of you has the power of death and life lurking just behind your lips. Someone once said that the most dangerous member of the church is this member. James chapter 3 has the Bible's longest statement about the tongue. There in James 3 it says this, The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, some of us undoubtedly have learned to control our tongues better than others. But the fact remains that we do not require much training to become skilled assassins with this small muscle living just behind our teeth. An embellished story has circulated for many years about Winston Churchill. One of his critics met him at a dinner, and, and he, was, he was put off by Churchill's lack of sobriety. His critic looked at him and declared, Mr. Churchill, you are disgustingly drunk. The British prime minister, well known for his ability to level brutal insults at people, he said, my dear, I may be drunk, but you are disgustingly ugly, and in the morning, I shall be sober. <laughs> if you didn't get it, ask your neighbor. <laughs> Life and death are truly contained in the tongue. With it, we can utter the most profound blessings with it, we can lift up resounding praises to the Most High, as we have done this morning. Thank you for that time of worship, Foster. But at the same time, with the tongue, we can destroy people's lives. Whoever said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me, clearly has never been the victim of an ill-timed word. You know, the ninth commandment is particularly concerned with how our words can be detrimental to our neighbor and our neighbor's reputation. The language of the commandment connotates a, a type of legal testimony. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And in the context of the legal system, it is those false testimonies that can have the most dire consequences. If you recall, in Jesus' trial, his enemies produced false witnesses in order to guarantee his condemnation. We've even seen this sort of behavior in our own day and time used in our, our particular political situation where stories and accusations are falsified to bring about the demise of those perceived as enemies. 
during the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings. You likely remember all the accusations that were made against him and how those who opposed him were ready to burn effigies in the streets on the basis of testimonies that were not confirmed. Today, we can still see the real-life effects of violating the Ninth Commandment as people's reputations and character are called into question on a regular basis. However, the intent of the commandment isn't simply confined to the legal system. This is not a commandment that you, you go to court and you think, okay, I'm not going to break the ninth commandment here, and I don't worry about it anywhere else. But the reality is, is that we should be paying attention to the ninth commandment everywhere we go. You know, we all have a dangerous human tendency to seek to mold our opponent's image into something that suits us better. And believe me, Baptists are not immune. Simply allow a church conflict or disagreement to go on too long or grow too large, and we will see the ninth commandment be broken again and again. It's absolutely amazing to me how the reputations of folks directly involved in these dust-ups can be maligned by those who oppose them. It is a terrible indictment of our churches today. The church is an organization that is, that is by its nature a community of redeemed individuals bound together in the blood of the new covenant. It is a community of which the Lord Jesus spoke in John chapter 13, verse 35. He said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's why some of the most dangerous sins in the body of Christ are not the gross moral failures that make the headlines, but the smaller, ongoing sins of the tongue. Gossip and backbiting can blow a church apart and make it completely ineffective for the kingdom of God. Proverbs chapter 6 reminds us of how God looks at this kind of behavior. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Listen to how many of these things pertain to our words. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. You know, in the church, the only way to disarm the gossip, to disarm the backbiter, is to take away their audience. We shouldn't give them our physical ears, nor should we give them our digital ears. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20 says this, For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. You see in the book of Proverbs, that term whisperer refers to someone who likes to use their tongues and their lips to stir up division and strife and unrest because those things are only shared in the quiet when no one else is listening. Just a word about social media. In the grand scheme of things, this is a a new frontier, a new frontier of human interaction. Facebook is, for example, just 15 years old. 
That's all. Who has a Facebook page? Raise your hand. <laughs> Who is not sure? Raise your hand. <laughs> your kids set it up for you. Don't worry. <laughs> for all the good that it allows, for all the smiles and laughs, for the way that it allows us to connect, oh, social media has so much of a darker side. Social media has created new vocabulary. It's created the term keyboard warrior. You know what that is? A keyboard warrior is someone who has all the confidence in the world sitting behind their keyboards and their computer screens, but who lack the courage to deal with real-world problems face-to-face. -face. Now, there, of course, are trolls who sit around all day looking for folks to pick on. But the church has created its own share of keyboard warriors as well. And in many cases, these keyboard warriors, they're not fighting against the real enemy. They're using Facebook and social media to blast their own churches, their pastors, and their fellow congregants. I'm going to say something that probably won't make me very popular. But I think it needs to be said. If you are a Christian, you should never, ever, ever air your complaints, criticisms, or conflicts with the church or any other brother or sister in Christ on the internet. If you do not have the courage to face your brother or sister face to face, you should not have the confidence to post it online. The fact that you can go on the internet and give reviews of a church like you would give reviews of a Waffle House astounds me. And I would say this. If you've left bad reviews, made nasty comments, vented about anything related to the church or anybody sitting in this room or who used to sit in this room, the very best thing you can do today is go find that content and delete it. And if you've still got a problem with that brother or sister, then you need to go to that person, not their Facebook page. You are not helping to reach a single lost soul for the kingdom of God, and I would dare say you are driving more people away from the kingdom rather than luring them in. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. And I firmly believe that Jesus here refers to our spoken words and words that are typed with our fingers. I've made the case over the last few weeks that behind every one of these prohibitions in this commandment, there is an expectation. And the ninth commandment is no different. You see, if we are banned from using our lips for dishonesty, particularly dishonesty regarding another person, then the expectation is simple. And I want to summarize it in three simple words. The first word is truth. It is the opposite of a lie, and that is the truth. And Christians, more than any other people on the planet, should be concerned about truth. Our very faith is based upon claims of absolute truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Ladies and gentlemen, if that's true, then there are serious consequences for ignoring it. If it's not true, why are we wasting our time here this morning? We should be deeply concerned about truth, and we should labor to tell the truth to the very best of our ability. We should labor to spread the truth. Before you click share, make sure that what you're sharing to the very best of your ability is true. And if it isn't true, you better make sure folks understand satire and irony. I posted an article the other day that was in the local media about a woman who tripped over a cat and stabbed herself in the belly with a steak knife. The cat's name was Lucifer. <laughs> and everybody knows that if you have a cat named Lucifer, that wasn't an accident. <laughs> That's called satire. It's called irony. It wasn't, well, the story was true. My take on it was not. Don't name your cat Lucifer. Be concerned with truth. Secondly, be concerned with encouragement. I appreciate Butch's words this morning. He found a way last week to use his words to be encouragement to folks. If you know Butch, then you know he's been given the spiritual gift of gab. And if God has given you more words than the rest of us, then you need to use those words for the glory of God. The commandment is concerned with us using our words not to, uh, not to tear down other folks on the basis of false accusations and, and claims. We need to be busy using our words to encourage one another, to uplift one another. Some folks claim that words don't matter. That's simply not true. It may be true what some people say. I don't care what people think about me. I can promise you that they care what people say. Because our words count. Our words matter. That's why the Bible on so many occasions instructs us to use our words to encourage. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says to encourage one another and build one another up. That's why God's called us into relationship and given us the opportunity to speak to one another. But thirdly, we need to be concerned with transformation. If Christians are to be concerned with truth and we want to live out the command of encouragement, then what will follow that is what we see called transformation. Again, this is going on behind the prohibition of the ninth commitment. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Instead, speak truth and encouragement about your neighbor and to your neighbor. And you see, when we do that, things begin to change. If someone comes around you and, and all they do is encourage you and speak truth to you, you want to be near those people. You want to be around those people. It, it's almost like a drug. Can I get more? Would you encourage me more? Would you speak more to me that, that's uplifting to me? If you're around somebody and all they do is tear down and attack, you don't want to hang out with those people very much. But you know, that's where the gospel comes in. There's no truer idea than that which is seen in the gospel. That humans are sinful by nature and by choice. That is the bad news, but it is news that is 100% true. But the good news is this, God loves sinful men to the point 
that he provided a way for their sins to be covered. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord, God provided everything necessary for sinners to be saved from the problem of sin. And what he wants from us is that we would turn from our sin and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. You know, we are very quick to jump online and post a bad review of a restaurant or weigh in on the latest political controversy. We might stand around in the foyers and talk about how bad the Braves' bullpen is. We might talk about college football kicking off next weekend. Listen. Those words don't transform folks a whole lot. Your Facebook political arguments aren't winning a lot of hearts and minds to Jesus. And while I agree with you that the Braves' bullpen is bad, it doesn't compel me to follow Jesus. Church, God has trusted us as the stewards of the very best news, the truest news, the most encouraging news, the most transformational news that's ever been shared, that Jesus died, he died for our sin, he rose from the dead, he is coming back again, and he has called us to declare it to the nations. We are not to bear false witness against our neighbor, but we are called to bring the good news of the gospel to our neighbor. May we be more zealous for the good news about Jesus than we are for any of these other diversions produced by this life. Psalm 19, verse 14, is a good prayer for us in reflection of the ninth commandment. There the psalmist says this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I would ask you for just these next few moments to just bow your heads and silently in your heart and in your mind let the words of Psalm 19 resonate. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Can you pray that today? Certainly we are concerned with bearing false witness against our neighbors. But God's desire is not that we would just be mindful of that, that we would guard our hearts against lies and dishonesty and untruths. But instead that we would use our lips and our tongues to declare truth, to be an encouragement, to bring about transformation. Maybe you're here today and you've never heard that good news. 
that God loves you as a sinner and wants a relationship with you and has provided for that relationship through Jesus, I can tell you today, I can promise you that that news will transform you. Turn from your sin. Give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll be transformed. You'll be made brand new. The Bible says that anyone who's in Christ is a new creature. And that good news today, that's 100% true, it encourages you to turn from your sin. And it'll transform you today. Maybe you're here today and as you pray that prayer that the words of your heart and the meditations of your minds, maybe you can reflect on some things that maybe you've posted on the internet that today is a, just a sign of repentance. She would take some time today to go through that old Facebook page or that old Twitter feed and you'd look past the silly gifts that make us laugh. And you'd look to the more sinister things that you've posted. The, the things that have attacked a brother or sister. The things that have pushed people away from the kingdom rather than draw them near. Maybe today your altar is not this bench in the front of the church, but your altar is a keyboard and a mouse and a delete button. Maybe you're here today and Maybe you do have issues with a brother or sister in the room. Maybe today you need to pick up the phone and say, can we talk? Maybe today forgiveness needs to be extended. Maybe today it needs to be sought. The ninth commandment hits all of us. Every one of us. As I think back over my life of all the careless words that have been spoken and all the careless words that have been typed, may I begin to account for them today before I'm called to account for them in eternity. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.